Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hypnodojo, a place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy. Get your black belts in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset, mastery, and marketing. Relax, enjoy, learn. Here's your sensei, Linda Campbell. Hi, and welcome to the Hypno Dojo. I am Linda Campbell, and I am the president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators, and I run my own school, the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy. And in this episode, I want to talk about how we can help our clients overcome sleep issues. This is a huge thing. Uh, I get so many clients for sleep, and it's such a, a prevalent problem. When I teach a hypnosis class, a training, I will usually ask when we get to this section of the course, how many people in the room have ever had difficulty with sleep? And almost every single hand goes up, at least half, if not more than that. You could almost have a whole practice just helping people to improve their sleep. So some of the common problems we see with people when it comes to sleep, getting to sleep, this can be things like having a busy mind, you know, going over all of the events of the day or things that are coming up. It could be restless legs. It could be just not being able to kind of surrender and let go and settle into sleep. It may even be people having difficulty getting to bed. So I'll have the occasional client who's like, I'm busy doing things for other people all day long. The evening time after my kids are in bed is mine. I don't want to go to sleep early. I know I should, but it's it's my time. It's the only time that I get to myself. And so I get people who, you know, it's going to bed, but it's also once you're in bed, being able to just shut off and go to sleep. Then there's also clients who have difficulty staying asleep, so they might get to sleep okay or not, uh, but then they awaken frequently. Maybe every sound that happens wakes them up. Um, maybe they're just like very, very uh, sporadic sleepers. So being able to help somebody sleep throughout the night and if they should awaken, get back to sleep, that can be one of the things we're working on. And then there's the client, this kind of falls into the same category, who's sleeping too light, maybe doesn't feel rested when they get up in the morning. I've had some clients who are having so many dreams or, you know, such act, so much activity going on in their minds at night that even though they're sleeping, they feel exhausted when they wake up in the morning. So all of those things, getting to sleep, staying asleep, getting good quality get sleep, getting a good depth of sleep and waking, waking up refreshed are some of the common things. But then every now and then I'll get a client who has some kind of different behavior around sleep that can absolutely be helped with hypnosis. So I've had a client who gets up and eats in the middle of the night, is totally unaware that she's eaten anything until she wakes up the next morning and there's food in bed or there's dishes left out on the counter or evidence that she's been up to make a meal. Lives alone. It's not like it's a family member. So she figured out that she's getting up at night to eat. I had another client who would have terrible nightmares, and while he was having nightmares, he would attack his partner. He'd be flailing and, you know, fighting off whatever he's fighting off in the nightmare world, but actually actively hitting the person he was sleeping with. So we had to work on that. Then there's things like sleepwalking, uh, soiling, or wetting your bed. That's often more the case 
with kids, but it can happen sometimes with adults. So there can be all kinds of things um, beyond just the normal having difficult times shutting off my brain and getting to sleep that we can work on with people as well. So step number one, we need to do a really good intake. You want to ask a lot of questions to get a sense of what's going on with the client, and oftentimes their answer to the questions will provide clues as to where the problem originally began for them, what threw off their sleep. So one of the questions, obviously, is we want to find out exactly what's going on with their sleep. Can they get to sleep? Are they having a difficult time getting to sleep? Uh, how, what does a typical night look like? I will ask my client to lay out for me, what time do you start thinking about going to bed? What time do you actually go to bed? What is your evening routine like? Uh, how long does it take for you to get to sleep once you're in bed? Do you stay asleep? You know, if you awaken, do you get back to sleep? What do you feel like in the morning? How much sleep are you typically getting? And then I'll ask them to tell me what they would like it to be like. I want to get a really clear idea as to what changes they're looking for. I had an interesting consultation with a client just this week who's coming to improve her sleep, and she and her husband are night owls. They actually don't get into their beds until about 2 o'clock in the morning. Once they're in bed, they watch something on their TV, they read books, they do other activities for a couple of hours. They're not actually drifting off until 4 o'clock in the morning, or at least that's the intention, start going to sleep about 4 in the morning. Uh, problem for her is that she has a hard time getting to sleep. So she'll lay there from 4 until about 8 a.m., and then finally we'll get some sleep, and we'll sleep until like 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So she doesn't want to go to bed earlier. She wants to be able to just shut off her mind and go to sleep more easily. So you want to make sure you know what they're doing and what they want instead because I could assume, you know, going to bed at 4 in the morning or going to sleep at the 4 in the morning is not what she wants. Normal people want to go to bed at, you know, 10, 11, 12, something like that. But I want to make sure, obviously, that I'm working on what the client actually wants to work on and that I'm not imposing what I think an appropriate bedtime would be or an appropriate bedtime routine. So I need to respect the fact that she and her husband are night owls. This is their lifestyle. We're really just working on her once she's wanting to go to sleep being able to get to sleep more easily. So ask a lot of questions. What does the pattern look like now? Uh, what would they like it to look like? Uh, and then you're going to find out what was going on for them. How long has sleep been an issue for them? And what was going on in their lives at the time that this problem started? Obviously, uh, there can be events that cause a person to sleep poorly. And because the subconscious doesn't understand passage of time, even though those events may have long since passed, the person is still getting poor sleep. So, for example, I see a lot of clients whose sleep got thrown off when they had a baby. You have to do that sleeping with one ear open kind of sleep, listening for if your child needs anything. And then there's people like shift workers or uh, first responders who have to be ready to get up and go if they get a call or have to be vigilant over the course of the night. So even though these babies are now grown up and on their own with babies of their own or the shift worker is no longer in that position or the first responder has now since retired, the subconscious, once it has a pattern of staying up or being vigilant or having to sleep with one ear open, thinks that that's just how we're supposed to sleep now. So sometimes the work early on is helping the subconscious realize that that pattern may have been necessary back then, but it's no longer necessary now. Or there can be events that cause the person to have to stay up or to be vigilant or that impacted their sleep. 
And again, the subconscious, because it's protective in nature, may think that there's still some need to have that vigilance or that, you know, being awake. So, for example, I had a client who had a boyfriend who was a drug addict. And so she would often have nights where she was laying awake, waiting for him to come home and worrying about him. I've also had several clients who have gotten, you know, the the dreaded phone call in the middle of the night. Somebody has been injured. Somebody has been in an accident. Somebody is dead. And the call comes in the night, and now the subconscious is anticipating that dreaded call. So if there's been an event that's happened over the course of the night or a situation where the client had to stay awake or would have stayed awake, even though that event has passed, sometimes the subconscious can still be responding to that past event. So again, we're working on putting it into perspective so the client realizes on a subconscious level that they no longer need to be hypervigilant. They don't need to be waiting for the call. They don't need to be waiting for the boyfriend. He's not even in your life anymore, that sort of thing. So what was going on at the time that the sleep problem started? Um, have they had sleep issues before coming to see you. So sometimes a person has had bad sleep in the past, but then for whatever reason it improved and now their sleep has been thrown off again. So in that case, I want to find out what threw their sleep off in the first place. Maybe what you're, what the client is experiencing this time is just kind of a, a reiteration of something they've experienced before. So for example, I had a client who when she was a kid started developing bad sleep um, because she, when she was in grade 12, she was a pianist and was taking her grade 12 provincial exams, and because she had all kinds of studying and practicing to do for her piano tests as well as her exams, her dad gave her no-dos so that she would be able to stay up at night and study and p- play her piano during the day. So for that period of time, she wasn't sleeping well, obviously, because she was taking a stimulant to keep her awake. After grade 12, her sleep normalized, but when she came to see me, her sleep had been thrown off again. And when we looked at uh, what the circumstances were in her life currently, she had all kinds of pressures and stresses from family and from work, and really what was happening was her mind was kind of flashing back to, oh, when I've had all these pressures and responsibilities, I let go of sleep, it was low priority, there were other things that needed my attention, that strategy seemed to work then, Maybe it'll work now. So we were able to identify that her current sleep problems were really just, you know, the subconscious thinking sleep is low priority. That was the case before. It's still the case now. And because life is similar now in the number of responsibilities and obligations she had, it was acting as though she was still back in that situation. So have they had sleep issues before? If so, get information about that time period and what was going on for them and listen for patterns, listen for similarities. I also want to find out if there are situations where their sleep is better or where it's worse. Sometimes this gives you a lot of really interesting clues. For example, does the client sleep better or worse if they're alone? Do they sleep better or worse if they're sharing a bed with somebody? I had a client who interestingly slept really well when her partner was away, but slept really badly when he was around. So I kind of poked around in that a little bit. What do you think the reason for that might be? Is he snoring? Is he moving around? Is he somehow interfering with her sleep? Nope. The problem was she had a lot of resentment towards her partner. And um, when he would be around, that would impact on her sleep. She was always tense and kind of angry. When he was away, (laughs) he was out of her mind. She didn't have to think about it. She slept so much better. 
So finding out if there have been situations that make it worse or make it better may draw your attention to areas that need to be worked on. Uh, Another similar one, familiar or unfamiliar locations. Do they sleep better if they're in a familiar location or do they sleep worse if they're in a familiar environment? That may give you clues. Um, We're always going to be looking for the initial sensitizing event, the ISE, the initial event that caused their sleep to be thrown off. And asking these questions will sometimes kind of, you know, throw up some red flags, draw your attention to uh, important points that when we uncover the ISE totally make sense. So, for example, if the client has a difficult time falling asleep, but once they're asleep, they're fine, I'd be curious about any events that have occurred in the past that have interfered with them being able to fall asleep. So, for example, my client who uh, would stay up listening to her parents fight, she used to sit on the stairs and listen to them arguing and be all worried about they were going to break up or somebody was going to hurt somebody. And so later on in life, getting to sleep was really difficult for her, and that was just because back then she wasn't sleeping because there was more important things to do, make sure the family's okay. But once she was asleep, she'd be perfectly fine. Now, in contrast, I had another client who could get to sleep easily, but then she would wake up in a panic a few hours later. So when we trace back where this originated for her, she, when she was a kid, her brother hid in her closet while she was brushing her teeth. I don't know where the parents were in this scenario. He was going to pop out and scare her. As it turned out, she got distracted doing something. He fell asleep in the closet. She comes and gets into bed, falls asleep. A few hours later, he wakes up in the closet, goes, oh, this is even better. I'll scare her now, and jumps out of the closet and just scares the crap out of her. So her subconscious, again, doesn't understand we're in a different situation now. You know, that was a one-off. She'd get to sleep easily, but a few hours later, wake up in a panic as though her subconscious is still anticipating that this could happen. So when you find out if they get to sleep easily or not, are able to stay asleep or not, uh, sometimes that that points to where the problem may have started or how the problem may have started. So listen for those clues. Listen for things like negative associations with sleep. I see this a lot. Remember that the subconscious is illogical and primarily protective. And this is a fantastic combination. If the subconscious has, for whatever reason, because of past experience or, you know, picking this up along the way somewhere, has come to believe that sleep is somehow threatening or unsafe, then the natural consequence is don't sleep. So I had a client who, uh, when he was a kid, came home from school, the dog was missing, he asked what had happened to the dog, and his parents told him we had it put to sleep. Not really understanding what that meant at the time, he developed a belief way back then that sleep is this scary, mysterious place where bad stuff can happen. And despite the fact that he was in his 50s when he came to see me, that um, belief was still active in his subconscious mind. So the subconscious has formed a negative association with sleep. Sleep is dangerous. It's threatening. Something bad could happen. And what we needed to work on there was changing that negative association, helping the subconscious to understand the dog didn't die of sleep, Sleep is generally beneficial to you. The dog died of an illness. Your parents used a phrase, but that's not what harmed the dog. So you're listening for negative associations with sleep. You're listening for um, a belief that sleep isn't useful or beneficial. Example, the no-dose client I mentioned earlier, 
more important things to do. If I'm sleeping, I'm wasting time. Uh, you're listening for uh, any need that the person would have had to have been vigilant in the evening time. So again, uh, the client who heard their parents fighting, the client who um, has the young baby who needs to keep one ear open, the client who had some kind of sexual trauma at night on a subconscious level, the subconscious doesn't understand that you're in a different situation, that that event is no longer occurring. If there was some need to be vigilant, some need to be awake, then the subconscious just assumes we still need to be awake. Uh, I had an interesting client a number of years back now. She Her sleep problem started probably 20 or 30 years prior to our work together, and she described she was living in Vancouver at the time. She was pregnant. Her husband would work away quite a bit, so she was often in the home alone. But the houses were really close together. It was back in the day before people locked their houses, and the neighbors next door used to fight a lot. And one night she heard the, a fight happening between the neighbors. She heard the woman scream. She heard uh, the scream stop abruptly. She heard boom, 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 boom. And she assumed that the man had thrown the woman down the stairs and killed her. And guess what? Stopped sleeping. She felt vulnerable. The door's unlocked. She's pregnant. There's nobody around to help her. So flash forward 30 years now she lives up island here in Cobble Hill or wherever in Vancouver Island uh, on a big piece of property. There's no neighbors around. The doors are locked. The baby that she was carrying is now an adult, and he and his family are living in her basement suite. Her husband is now retired. He's at home. And as it turns out, the neighbor never did kill the wife. She still has no explanation for the sounds that she heard, but she saw the woman after that time. Now, despite all of this evidence that what she believed happened never happened, and despite the fact that life was different now and she's you know, taking precautions she didn't take then and has safety now that she didn't have then, her subconscious was still anticipating you know, there, this bad thing could happen. Maybe if he got her, he could get me too. So oftentimes a lot of the beginning work is really just updating the subconscious. The person knows it intellectually, but that doesn't necessarily mean the subconscious knows. In that case, she needed to hear. You are now safe. You've got, you know, the neighbor did not die. You're no longer living next to those people. All of that evidence that she's in a different place in her life needed to be communicated to the subconscious. So you're listening for negative associations with sleep. You're listening for uh, sleep being seen as not useful or dangerous in some way. You're listening for not sleeping as some sort of a coping mechanism. The person needs to be vigilant for whatever reason. There might be, you know, times the person has had some negative experience at night or received bad news at night. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier people who need to be aware throughout the night, shift workers, parents, first responders. Uh, and then there's the, the busy mind people. Now, sometimes I have clients who have had some trauma in their life or they've got something important going on, but they're not addressing it. They're not dealing with it. You know, maybe that childhood abuse that they've never looked at is still kind of lurking there in the background. Or maybe they're in a relationship they don't want to be in, but they're trying to just, like, ignore the fact and, and just carry on with life. And then so they're able to keep themselves busy and distracted all day long and not think about these things that they're not dealing with. But then they lay down at night to go to sleep, and boom, all of this stuff is on their mind. So sometimes the busy mind is really the subconscious going, um, hello, there's some things we need to look at, there's some things we need to deal with, 
You've been distracted and busy all day, but now you're laying down. Now we're going to have this conversation. So if that's the case, if the mind is busy because the person hasn't been dealing with some stuff, then really what we're working on is dealing with that stuff. What are you going to do about this relationship? Let's work through that childhood trauma. Let's you know, heal the stuff that your subconscious is trying to draw your attention to so that it doesn't have to bring it up at night while you're trying to sleep. So in some cases we're, we're listening for, is the client trying to avoid something or ignore something? And if that's the case, we got to turn and face it. In other instances, that busy mind is really the subconscious trying to keep the client awake because of a negative association with bed or with sleep or what have you. Uh, in the case of my client whose dog got put to sleep because sleep seemed dangerous, uh, he had that busy mind, but it wasn't because he was trying to avoid or not deal with something. It was because his subconscious was basically saying, stay awake, stay awake, think about all the problems in the world, think about all the problems in your life. We need to stay awake at all costs because if you go to sleep, something bad happens. So the busy mind often itself it has a reason for why that's going on. So we may want to explore that a little bit. So again, you're always looking for the event that caused the sleep to be bad in the first place. And I've mentioned some of the common things, but it could be really anything. Uh, For example, I've had a couple clients who there was a negative association with the bed. They could sleep on the couch, but they can't sleep on the bed. I've actually got a client who is having some body image issues. He's not feeling particularly comfortable in his body. It's interfering with his willingness to be intimate. And so he's sleeping on his couch, doesn't want to sleep in bed because if he sleeps in his bed, he might have to be intimate with his partner. He gets great sleep on the couch, but he can't sleep in his bed. So really what we need to do is work on those body image issues and being more comfortable being intimate or being able to say no to intimacy until such time he feels comfortable with it. But it's interesting that he can sleep alone on a skiddy little couch where, you know, he can't have sex with anyone, but he can't sleep in his own bed. So there's a negative association with the bed, in a sense, or with what occurs in the bed, but he can sleep perfectly fine on the couch. I've had another client who he was, when he was a young boy, he used to go to church every weekend with the old man who lived across the apartment uh, hallway from him. And one Sunday morning, he went to go meet with the old man, and he opened the door to the guy's apartment, and he could see him in his bed, and all these women were in the house, and they came, or in the apartment, they came flying at him, no, 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 you can't see this, and they shoved him out and pushed him back into his house. What he realized afterwards um, was that the man had died in his sleep, and these women somehow knew and were attending to him. And the little boy, though, didn't really understand what had happened. All he could see was that this old man was in his bed and these women were freaking out. And he developed this negative association to the bed. Maybe there's something wrong with the bed or with the man in the bed. So, again, couldn't sleep after that point. I had another client who would go to visit her grandma in hospice. And grandma was always getting shots and having, you know, tests and stuff done to her in bed and was in a lot of pain and discomfort and was miserable. And so, again, my client, being a kid, being, you know, open to suggestion, basically had a negative association with the bed as well because when you're in bed, bad stuff happens. People come and take your blood and give you tests and do things that cause you pain. So we're listening for, you know, anything that could have thrown the sleep off, anything that has made the person feel that it's not safe to sleep, not safe to be in bed, that sleep is not ideal, 
uh, you know, there's better things to do, all of that. Uh, you may also want to find out, this is kind of hard to explain, what sleep kind of represents to them on a subconscious level. It may not be that it's a sleep issue that you're dealing with so much as the lack of sleep is kind of a, a symptom of something bigger going on. So, for example, people who are control freaks often have a difficult time going to sleep, and that need to be in control can show up in other areas of their life. Uh, a woman who has control issues sometimes has problems having an orgasm, for example, or people who have control issues may have an issue with how people are you know, loading the dishwasher or things being done a certain way. They want to micromanage other people. So the inability to sleep may not be so much a sleep issue per se all on its own, but there's this loss of control associated with sleep, and loss of control is a problem for them. Therefore, sleep has become a problem as well. So in this case, we're really looking for where did that difficulty with loss of control come from? Usually, it goes back to the person having had a situation in their life when they were younger that was out of their control, and so they're overcompensating by trying to control everything. Uh, if I can control everything, I'll be safe, basically. And again, because sleep appears to be a loss of control, we can't have that. We can't go to sleep because that would mean I'm not safe. I'm not controlling. Uh, another similar thing here would be vulnerability. A person who has difficulty with vulnerability may have difficulty going to sleep. There's this um, illusion that sleep is you're vulnerable, you know, you're, things can happen to you. If I'm uh, uncomfortable with vulnerability as a whole, then I better not do anything that puts me in a vulnerable position. And these things can sometimes show up in how a person responds to hypnosis initially. A person who has difficulty with losing control may have difficulty going into hypnosis until they understand that you don't lose control in hypnosis uh, because they see hypnosis as being one more loss of control. So also looking into you know, is there something bigger going on that sleep has somehow come to represent and you're addressing that more so than you are addressing the actual sleep? So whatever it is, we're going to address the client's specific reason. And so in hypnosis, we're going to give suggestions around getting to sleep, being able to tune out any sounds or movement in their environment. If they're sleeping with a partner, you don't want that person to be waking them up. We're going to be letting them know that it's safe to sleep, we're going to be letting them know that it's okay to turn off their mind and put on hold anything that was incomplete. Uh, one of the things that I talk about sometimes is being able to turn issues that you're working on or problems you're trying to solve over to the subconscious. When we sleep, the physical body sleeps and the conscious mind sleeps, but the subconscious never sleeps. It can't even be anesthetized. So I say it's like having a team of creative thinkers that can work on things for you while you're fast asleep. A lot of artists, musicians, inventors have used the sleep state for inspiration, wake up with a poem or an invention already created. So for the person who's using, you know, the time before sleep to hash through all the problems in their life, I will sometimes be giving them suggestions around being able to turn that over to your subconscious to work on for you while you get a deep and restorative sleep. When you awaken in the morning, those answers, that insight, that clarity will be there. Uh, for the person who is not sleeping, they're going through a bunch of stuff in their mind because they're not dealing with shit in their lives, then I want to work with them on taking time during the day or finding some way um, to address those things so that they're not coming up at night. 
I'm giving a lot of suggestions for how important sleep is to your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. I'm talking about, you know, anticipating sleep in a positive way, getting to sleep easily, having a deep and restorative sleep. Um, If you're awakened for any reason, such as to use the washroom or if you wish to have sex, being able to get back to sleep afterwards. I'm talking about uh, having a soothing rather than stimulating evening routine so that you can feel yourself winding down before you go to bed. Uh, I get them to consider whether their room or their sleeping environment is safe, comfortable, conducive to sleep, or if there are any modifications that would need to be made for it to make for it to be so. I had a in hypnosis that the reason she wasn't sleeping is she had moved into a new apartment and all the stuff that she didn't know where to put was being stored in her bedroom. So the last thing she saw every night before she went to sleep were all of these boxes of things that she wasn't taking care of, and it was a reminder of how much she had on her plate. She didn't realize that until we imagined the space she was sleeping in and looked at whether it was conducive to sleep, and she realized that was the thing keeping her awake. I get them to imagine or visualize their perfect Talk about putting away any sleep aids. I had a boyfriend who would have his melatonin and his earplugs and his night mask, his eye mask by his bed, and I would basically say to him, you know, you're telling yourself every night before you go to bed that you're not going to be able to sleep by having those things there. So I'm finding out if the client is sleeping with any sleep aids and talking to them about putting them away and being able to get sleep without having to rely on those things. I also suggest to clients that they can use the natural trance state that occurs before they go to sleep as they're drifting off, the brain waves slow down, so whatever you're thinking about as you fall asleep gets deposited into your subconscious just like a hypnotic suggestion. So I will train them to be able to give themselves positive suggestions as they're falling asleep so that they can take advantage of that natural trance state. I get great sleep, fall asleep. I'm looking forward to the day tomorrow, whatever it happens to be, something short, something positive, something that focuses on the result that they want. Okay, my time is just about up. I still feel like there's so much more I could say about this, but that's all the time I have. So thank you so much for checking in, and please come back again to catch more episodes of Hypno Dojo.